Hello and welcome to 50 Minutes in Hell. It's a 15 minute podcast. Today I'm joined by one of the most watched Twitch streamers in the world, Hassan Piker. Hassan, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. Wonderful. So, I have a very basic question for you. What do you actually consider yourself? Are you like an entertainer, journalist, activist, or some secret fourth thing, I guess, depending on how you count? Uh, definitely not a journalist. Uh, definitely not an activist, I wouldn't say. Uh, I probably... Probably a secret fourth thing. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I find myself to be a, a charlatan and uh, just, you know, a professional carnival barker. Right. Uh, Rush Limbaugh for Zoomers, that sort of thing. And not also uh, with bad politics, but instead with good politics. Which I think is fair. Do you feel the responsibility for teaching young people about politics or is it just going off, so to speak? Um... I mean, I, I don't think I, I feel like I'm the only person that should have to educate them or anything like that. Right. I, I do think that there is a, a decent level of responsibility that I have to ensure that the information that I'm giving to them is correct, and 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 that's definitely a burden I bear. But I don't. I wouldn't consider myself that important, at least. You know. Yeah, and I think really. It's less about importance, it's more about the fact that you are one of those major on-ramps. I know you've, you've talked a lot about, like, Isaiah Martin, who's a shitty Gen Z candidate, for example. Yeah. And you seem to... Well, actually, maybe that, that's a good question, then. You think Isaiah Martin sucks because he's mostly just a centrist talking point machine, but what do you think an actual Gen Z candidate, a good one, would look like? Um... I think uh, an actual good Gen Z candidate would probably uh, embody a whole bunch of the uh, qualities that uh, Bernie Sanders uh, did. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's not going to get any further left than that in many respects in America, I don't think, especially in the short term. Um, so that's what I believe a, a, a Gen Z like a perfect Gen Z uh, politician would look like. One that cares about climate justice, one that cares about, uh, one that cares about uh, uh, criminal justice reform, one that advocates for Medicare for all unconditionally, uh, one that wants uh, free college, abolition of student loan uh, debt. These are, I think, things that are very important for the next generation. And... Uh, a Gen Z candidate should uh, be uncompromising in its defense of said values. The Green New Deal is, uh, I think, a, a, a great way to def uh, a great way to demonstrate that you care about uh, environmental justice, climate justice in general. As a carnival barker yourself, I did enjoy hearing you refer to Tucker Carlson as a clout shark. That was that was wonderful. <laughs> How much longer do you think that Tucker Carlson actually has left in him before he just kind of? Do you think he'll ever just disappear? Um, I I don't think he'll disappear, uh, unless we're talking about disappearing in the same way that like you know Glenn Beck disappeared, right? Like he's still very much around. Uh, he's just on the Blaze Network. Uh, and and who knows how many people watch that? I I don't know the numbers, but I don't think they have 
legitimate prescience. I don't think that people care, right? So I don't know if, uh, I, I don't know if he'll go away completely, but uh, I think he's already, uh, he's already in his fall off era, I guess, as the kids would say. He's, he used to have people like Kevin McCarthy, people in positions of power in the Republican Party on his uh, show, his nightly news show on a daily basis and bully them. Politico wrote uh, extensively about how terrified the Republican Party operatives were of Tucker Carlson. Drawing his ire was seen as like a bad thing. And now he's flying out to Romania to talk to, you know, uh, arrested sex traffickers and, and whitewash their image, going to Hungary to, to uh, talk about how sick Hungary is, making Hungary great again, you know, Victor Orban. And, and talking to Larry Sinclair about how uh, Obama got, uh, uh, got his shit sucked by Larry Sinclair in 1999. These are, these are not the types of things you do when you are uh, genuinely changing American politics uh, for the worse or for the better. It doesn't matter. These are things you do when you are an online content creator. You know what I mean? It's like he's like three steps removed from doing a collaboration with Aiden Ross where they both try to see who can say the N-word around black people harder. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's what you do when you're desperately seeking clout, not necessarily when you're trying to uh, change politics. Do you think anyone can actually replace Tucker Carlson at Fox? Um, anyone currently on their roster? Absolutely not. Greg Buttfeld is awful. He's just like a cretin. He's a gremlin. I think like his co-hosts find him to be disgusting. I mean, he, he does have a funny side to him, certainly. But uh, anytime he talks about issues, like you can see a lot of the uh, women on the panel, like uh, just, you know, kick back in their seat in disgust. Jesse Waters has no charisma. He's basically Sean Hannity, right? But somehow even dumber. And then Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity, and uh, Laura Ingram is is not going to be replacing Tucker Carlson. So, do they have any talent on their actual current roster? No, I don't think so. Can Fox News somehow develop talent uh, that that will be as charismatic as Tucker Carlson? Certainly. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar media operation i'm sure they are capable of finding uh, another guy who is going to do wasp nationalism uh with uh you know some dog whistles yeah it's it's interesting as well because he when you watched his trump interview for example i chose not to watch the andrew tate i only watched the trump one through your video it is interesting watching him go from this kind of very aggressive pushy interviewer to just like, oh, oh, Mr. Trump, good to see you, sir. And it's it, it's funny, but also, well, I don't know if it's sad. He's a piece of shit, so it's pretty fun to watch him suffer. But on the subject of Andrew Tate, with people like that, it's not the first real piece of shit you've kind of tangled with. How do you actually keep calm and keep someone like Andrew Tate on... On question, even though in the case he ran away from you, scared like a little rat. How do you, how do you keep calm around someone like Andrew Tate who is just kind of like screeching at you? I mean, I guess 
I've said this a lot before, like back in the day when I used to engage in debates more frequently, even though I have always maintained the position that they're, you know, pseudo intellectual wrestling. It's just theater. Right. Um, it's, it's a lot easier for me to maintain my calm because uh, in many respects, I f see myself as like a perfect counter to a lot of the uh, alpha male people. How so? Because a lot of the... A lot of the alpha male people uh, are constantly and desperately trying to portray the quote-unquote left or whatever they consider to be like liberals as um, soy, gay, effete, uh, you know, frail, hmm. uh, and and uh, uh, not even interested in girls or can't talk to girls, this kind of thing. And... Um, obviously that's like coming from a very insecure position, but of course their audiences are incredibly insecure, right? So it works out when they do this, they're like, oh, you guys, you know, you're, you're, you're lame. You're, you're like a loser. You're soy, uh, which is ironic because that's what really insecure, uh, really insecure men would, uh, do if they uh, as they're trying to mask something right right um but uh for me i i kind of uh, don't look the part of what they are trying to portray so it makes it a lot harder for them that's why i, I see a lot uh in a lot of instances they'll always like uh point to times when i wore an address or uh or or painted my nails to be like no actually no dude you're gay and it's like uh i think it comes from the privilege that I have. Right. The way that I look, the way that I carry myself, my beliefs, and, um, you know, the confidence that I have. Just for the listeners at home, would you mind describing how tall you are? I'm, I'm six foot four, 245 pounds. Uh, you know, I work out every day, play basketball. I am uh, definitely... Uh, larger and in better shape than the average online right winger. I wouldn't say that about Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate is a professional kickboxer, after all. That is the one area that uh, he definitely would be able to destroy me. So I'm going to admit freely. Um, right. I know my limitations. But, you know, his fan base, not so much. So that is. That is why it's uh, a lot easier for me to maintain a. Uh, maintain. Calmness in the face of this kind of adversity or, or debate. Because uh, these, a lot of the attacks don't impact me. It's the, it's the privilege that I have that allows me to just look at it and go, this is a laughable conversation that we're having. Right. Because I'm not trans. I'm not black. Um, I don't even fit in uh, the, the classist definition, like the, the class attacks that uh, he might have about being broke. Right. Well, he tried also uh, to say, "Oh, he was like, oh, you're American, so dot dot dot." Like, you were like, "No, I'm Turkish, I believe." Yeah. So that was another thing I know, which ironic because he's American. Right. Like, he's he's more American than I am, you know. Uh, but yeah, there's there are so many things that uh, people are used to. People love concept uh, contextualizing, and and uh, putting people into boxes, and. Uh, 
then it's much easier to just like shadow box against that straw man that you've cultivated for yourself rather than the actual person that's in front of you that you're talking to. And that's precisely what Andrew Tate tried to do. And it, it really didn't work out uh, too well for him in that regard, which is why he had to resort to asking the teenagers who were running the call to kick me off the call and, uh, you know, say that I was boring. <laughs> well, actually, leading, leading on from that, why do you think guys like Andrew Tate have had such a profound hold on young men on the internet, though? Insecurity. I mean, we're both men. We were young at a certain point. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I was a very insecure young man. You know, the world was very confusing. Hormones were going absolute nutty. I, uh, I, I needed a rudder. And luckily, I, I came from a really good family and a lot of friends, a, a decent support system, so I didn't fall into this kind of uh, ridiculous uh, right-wing uh, rabbit hole. I don't believe others are as fortunate as I am. And I think that's part of the reason why this kind of thing is uh, this kind of thing happens. It's these are people preying on the insecurities of the youth, insecurities of young men specifically. That's why they tailor their message like they're talking to a fourteen-year-old boy. Look at my cars. Look at the bitches I have. I'm in a private jet. It's like no actually rich person is is doing that, right? Right. You're only doing that. When you are insecure about your wealth, you are only doing that because you want to market yourself as that, uh, which we are. We also found out that he wasn't even that wealthy when his assets were frozen really by the Romanian court system. So there's that part as well. So wrap us up with a final question. In that vein, why do you think conspiracy theories have taken such a stronghold on America then, like last decade or so? Um, I think conspiracy theories have always uh, been a, a, an important part of American politics. Uh, I would say that the influx or the, the increase of conspiracy theories in American politics now directly ties back to the same principle uh, as to why they were already very popular back in the day as well. Like, you know, Masons or uh, Masonry or the Illuminati, you know, these things like predate the internet and television even. Right. Right. Um, I think it is a lack of dialectical materialism in the lives of uh, every American. It's just they are fully tapped in to the capitalist dogma. What we all believe capitalism is good. There's no other alternative. And when you are uh, when you live like that and you refuse to learn or refuse to see things from a materialist perspective, you are going to look for spiritual reasons. And uh, you're going to look for, uh, you know, good versus evil narratives. Uh, that's why, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very popular. Um, and in that good versus evil, you always have to find an agenda because the main agenda is not going to be materialism. It's not going to be commodity production. It's not going to be uh, the, the relation that uh, the two different classes have to the means of production, it, then it has to be, these guys are evil. Why are they doing evil stuff? Because they're bad. They're bad guys. This little group of people are bad guys. 
They have to be motivated by something, and they're just motivated by evil. That's why I think a lot of uh, conspiracies seek to plug holes that people might have in a way that maybe religion did back in the day. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Uh, the other aspect of it, other than uh, the the evil versus good narrative, is that uh, there are a lot of things that are not explained to us, major world-changing events, and people want to create a narrative, oftentimes a narcissistic narrative, uh, that that kind of shifts these world-changing events um, back into something that they can manage, something that they can consume, and something that they are at the heart of somehow. Um, Americans love, I like to say, Americans love low-stakes battles, for example. Right. Like That's why they love having the mass conversation. They love having that conversation. They, they want to desperately, you see it now, Conservatives want to go back to, like, to a, a, a point in time where there are mask mandates just so they can complain about it. Because that's low-stakes battle. Maybe the threat of your treats, uh, your, your treat delivery mechanism being disrupted is truly a terrifying prospect. One that, uh, one that alone can get you out of the house and, and you know to the state houses to, to protest. And they want to go back to that. They want to go back to that uh, camaraderie. They want to go back to, to uh, that, that battle that they had where they were owning the libs and owning, you know, Democrats all around the country. And um, why do they want to do that? I mean, they, or how are they, uh, how are they, uh, uh, why do they believe that, that this is happening? Well, because, they want to believe in this grand conspiracy that uh, that they can somehow uh, be a hero in. They want to believe in the story. They don't want to see, for example, that Lionsgate and Santa Monica, one of the very few places that like instituted a mask mandate for what three, four days, uh, at JD Vance used in a Senate hearing yesterday uh, on the floor of the Senate. Uh, he used Lionsgate, a private company using a four-day mask mandate two months ago. He used that as a reason for why they have to limit the CDC's powers for the next 18 months in instituting and implementing mask mandates. So J.D. Vance used that, even though it's, it's just this marginal thing. People believe that there is this grand conspiracy that they want to stop, you know, Americans from getting their treats, a low stakes battle that they will engage in. The real reason why Lionsgate, for example, implemented that mask mandate was because someone had COVID and instead of sending everyone home, they wanted everybody to keep working. That's the real reason why Lionsgate did this mask mandate, right? Yeah. Same with vaccines. People think like, oh, they want to make me gay and autistic by uh you know making me take this vaccine i will not do it i will not do it i'm a brave patriot i will not do it i will not get the ouchie i will i will avoid this needle right and there's a brave patriotic reason for why i'm doing it is because i don't want to uh you know die in the next four or five years well hassan thank you so much for joining me today uh it's been a real pleasure having you Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, 
My pleasure. Okay, you've been listening to 15 Minutes and How. You can find us at wheresyoured.at slash podcast and join us on the Discord chat.wheresyoured.at. Thank you for listening. <laughs>